All right, praise the Lord. Amen. Let's go in the Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to read a couple verses. And uh, context, of course, is important. Context in this passage is the Apostle Paul made it a point that he wasn't ever going to give the impression you would confuse water baptism with salvation. It doesn't mean that you do away with it in the New Testament. Uh, the common term amongst people who study their Bible is, you know, those who are uh, hyper-dispensationalists, they say, well, water baptism has gone altogether because of some of the things Paul said, but it's not. And I just thought I'd throw that in there at the beginning. When, when Paul said uh, in verse 13 of chapter 1, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. In other words, there's this association with who baptized you and in what church you got baptized. And so there's a, a cult, you might say, a cultic spirit that is found amongst, you know, like many groups. And uh, I'll just say this, I was mentioned to somebody very recently, be careful of any group that's called the, like the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the Roman Catholic Church and the uh, Church of Christ. Okay, and be careful, be careful of those who call themselves the New Testament Baptist Church. Because he said in verse 16, I baptize also the house of Stephanus, household of Stephanus, besides I know not whether I baptize any other. And then he said, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. That didn't mean he didn't do it. That doesn't mean it's not what we ought to do to follow Christ. He got baptized himself, and he was supposed to be the pattern for the New Testament believer. But in verse 17 and 18 is where our focus as Christians is supposed to be. He said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest, would you mark this, the cross of Christ should be of none effect. For the preaching of the cross. Now, we know he means the cross of Christ because he already said it in the previous sentence. So many places when he talks about the cross, the cross, he's talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. It is a foolishness to people to hear that someone died on the cross and was buried, was killed basically, gave themselves to a person who is lost, to them that perish, that's foolishness. But to us which are saved, mark it, it is the power of God. So the context is that it isn't baptism, it isn't church membership, it isn't sacraments, it isn't keeping it in good works. And when he says the cross here, it's not a mere symbol. So if you choose to put a cross on something that's your business, but carry it around your neck or whatever, but I, I like what one fellow said, he said, would you carry an electric chair around on your neck or a hangman's noose well you wouldn't because he's not a still crucified jesus christ like they people have him still still nailed to the cross in their worship services in their church in their sacraments the cross is a means of death and as he said except a 
corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it fall the wheat and die, it bringeth forth fruit. So the Lord Jesus Christ intentionally, voluntarily, by the will of the Father, gave himself and they nailed him to the cross. So the cross is the means of death. The cross, if you picture a cross, it's where two wills collide. One is horizontal, that's ours on earth, and one is vertical, that's God's in heaven. And so when he talks about it, he talks about the cross of Christ in verse 17. And my subject matter for you today is the cross. And I'm going to leave you with three words associated with this truth of the cross. I'm going to give them to you ahead of time. We're going to, we're going to preach on at the cross. Then we're going to talk about in the cross. And then we're going to preach on near the cross. Just three words about the cross. <coughs> Excuse me. Because the cross is where Jesus Christ died. And where he died is where he took upon us, upon himself, the sins of the whole world. And where he gave us the opportunity to enter into his cross. Our hymn book is full of them. Your old time hymn book, At the Cross, At the Cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. Listen, there is a special insight into these hymns because they were given at a special time in church history. That is not to say that God doesn't use people to write some poems or, or uh, you know, or music now in uh, August of 2022. It doesn't mean that. But it does, but I'm telling you, these hymns were written at a special time. The music itself has a certain thing to it, a certain touch to it. Now, the cross of Jesus Christ, at the cross. If you're in your mind, want to put a note, if you've got your Bible there, write salvation. At the cross is where we get salvation. The cross has an offense. It's an offensive thing. It the cross is an offer. The cross has opponents. The cross has objections. And the cross is the one way to God Almighty. A while back I was preaching and preached on one. He said there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. There's one you. There's one God. And there's one way between you and God, and that's Jesus Christ, the cross. At the cross. Listen, judgment and mercy meet at the cross. I'm sure you've heard the song, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That means it doesn't matter if you're high in society or the lowest of society, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Listen, this is what makes God's people different. There is no power of God in commitments. There is no power of God in embracing doctrine and aligning with doctrine. The power is in the cross. Jesus Christ died for not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world, your Bible tells you. Okay? At the cross. Dear friend, listen, at the cross. You know where you want to get people? You want to get them to the foot of the cross. At the cross is where they're going to find the Lord Jesus Christ. And even the most simple of truths, I came to the Lord so many years ago, 
because of one verse that I didn't know what it, that it was scripture. I didn't know what scripture meant, but someone posted it on a billboard for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, so at the cross is where he showed his ultimate love for the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, have to bear his own judgment for eternity, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Where? At the cross. You know, this is one of the reasons, truly one of the reasons historically, when you're trying to lead a person to Christ, when it's physically and physiologically possible that you kneel with them and you and they bow your heads, this is one of the reasons you do it. One of the reasons you do it is because it's pictures kneeling at the cross. It's not that altar at the front of a church that, that it's a big thing. That's why a person can kneel in their pew. But at just as every knee shall bow and every tongue confess at the cross is where my will and any Sinner's will yields to God Almighty. Where? At the cross. This is salvation. You know what you want to do when you're talking to people about their soul and eternity? You want to get them to the cross. When you think about what Paul wrote, and you remember over in 1 Corinthians 15, what he did told them, and he gave them the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, as the definition of the gospel. Remember how Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures? 1 Corinthians 15, 3. That he was buried. Verse 4. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Verse 3. And that he was seen of Cephas then of the twelve. That's the fourth point. Verse 5. Uh, number 5. After that he was seen of above 500, etc., etc. The death, the burial, the resurrection. You've got to have that death. It has, you cannot preach. You cannot, I know you can, but you must not preach the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus saves you. You're, you're not supposed to get them. You're not supposed to lead them to the empty tomb. Uh, going to the empty tomb what saves no one. If I'd run to the empty tomb and embrace the empty tomb, it would not have saved my soul. I had to come to the cross at the foot of the cross is where we meet him, at the cross. There's so many things we could say. I mean, it's a study in itself as far as personal work. You need to be focused on helping people get to the cross. And they need to see the cross. Now, when you're done with them, that cross will be empty. And they won't go around the rest of their life with Jesus nailed to the cross, okay? But it's at the cross. Now when the centurion and they that were with him, this is at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly this was the Son of God. Where did that happen? At the cross. At the cross. People are trying to bypass the cross. Why? Because it's foolishness. When you, when you want them to stand and look at the crucified Son of God, and come to the cross, 
they 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 literally rebel against it. Why? Because that's our human nature is fighting the cross. We are we we we're condemned to die. We are born to die. The greatest proof, the greatest proof that every person's born a sinner is that they will die. They could die at, at hours old or they could die a century old, they're gonna die. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the Holy Ghost, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. Mark 15, 39. It's at the cross. You must not, you must not, you must not, you must not help, encourage, aid, finance anybody who tries to get people to the life of Jesus Christ without going through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's his life that's in us. Through what? Through death. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. At the cross, at the cross, at the cross. All right, secondly, Galatians 6, please. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, and let's look at this together. The cross. The cross. When we speak of the cross, the cross, we're talking about the, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ. 1 Corinthians 117. All right, Galatians 6. Turn over there with me. Galatians chapter 6. So at the cross is salvation. At the cross is where we find that we are we enter into and we accept the fact that he died for us, that we deserved to, to go to hell. We deserved to have to pay for our sins, and we couldn't. And the innocent died for the guilty at the cross, not at the empty tomb. The empty tomb is a wonderful thing. It's a great promise. Not at the ascension, the returning Christ. All that's after that. Here we go. At the cross. Now, number two, in the cross. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 14, let me set it up with us. Look with me. As he talks about these people, verse 12, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. They're trying to add something to the cross. They're trying to add something that people can see or touch or feel experience like baptismal regenerationists do, like Church of Christ, like the Catholic Church does, like the Latter-day Saints do, like many of the uh, the independent-type Baptists, the New Testament Church people do. They, add, they actually add something to it. And he says, verse 13, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. Now watch. But God forbid. Now if God forbid something, that means... It's forbidden. It's verboten. But God forbid that I should glory. Ready? Mark this, please. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Now understand, keep your hand there a minute. Listen, in the cross. So at the cross, we get salvation. <coughs> in the cross, we find separation in our life. And it's not just do's and don'ts, but I hate to tell you, in every single thing in life of excellence, there are do's and there are don'ts. People who are wanting to be strong and healthy and all that, they have do's and don'ts about their diet and their sleep. Uh, I heard a fellow giving a little talk, and he was talking about sleep, and he said, and I've, it's, so in, it's so interesting to me, for 
for 40 years, I've said that the worst thing you can do for your teenagers and even yourself is let them think that Saturday morning is for sleeping in and that if I could just sleep in two days a week, I'd be okay. And he said, the greatest way to keep healthy sleep is have the same schedule every single day. This guy wasn't even a Christian. What is the point there? The point is that you come at the cross, you get salvation, but in the cross, we find separation from the world. And that means that there are do's and don'ts that God puts on you or that you put on yourself so that you can stay in the cross. Look, look at the verse. By whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. So at the cross, we see the crucified Lord Jesus Christ for our sins. And then in the cross, we see the crucified Lord Jesus Christ. And, and it says, I die to the world and the world's dead to me. Peer pressure, gone. Now, now listen, not that rebel that so many people have. You know, there are a lot of conservative, they call them right wing nowadays and all that, they're right of the line and all that. There are a lot of people that are just that and the, the whole spirit that comes out of them is rebellion, independence and all that. That ain't God. Independence isn't what God saved you for. He saved you to be independent of the world, but dependent and subservient and following and in the cross with him. He said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what glory is? It's the thing you identify most with. It's something that's praiseworthy. It's something that you attribute power unto. So you know what he told him in Luke chapter 9? He said, take up your cross. Well, I can't do that if I'm not living in the cross. It's not your husband or your wife or your children or your neighbors, or the mandates of the government, those aren't your cross to bear. I'm so wore out with that. People are not your cross. Your lifestyle is not your cross. Your job is not your cross. It's not. The cross, your cross, is when you align yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I'm dead to myself and I'm alive to Christ. So I'm dead to the world myself. I'm alive to Christ. So... I'm going to follow what the Lord Jesus Christ did. And he obeyed the Father. Where, whether it was good, and it was at times, or bad. I'm not going to deny myself stuff just for the sake of saying I've denied it. That's that asceticism. I'm just going to crucify my life for Christ. Take up your cross, your death to self. He said, by whom? Who's, who's that whom? By whom the world is crucified in me. Who's that? The Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, my life, your life, is only of real meaning, is only of real consequence in my death to self and the risen life of Christ. In your death to self and the risen life of Jesus Christ through you. At the cross, in the cross. At the cross, I find salvation. In the cross, I find the power, the doctrine, the exhortation to separation. We'll go to the third one, then we'll weave them together. Go to Philippians chapter two. 
Philippians chapter 2. A couple pages over from Galatians to the right. Philippians chapter 2. Let's look at this. And I'm going to mention to you a couple of verses out of the Gospel of Luke, which you're aware of, most of you. <coughs> if not, you can mark them. And I'll give you the references. But Philippians chapter 2, read this with me. Now watch. At the cross, I get salvation. You get salvation. In the cross, I enter into separation from the world in my spirit, in my life, in my mind. The manifestation of that, how it lives out, is not strictly, say, how you dress and stuff, although it will affect how you dress. It will affect how you, you ladies, what, how, how you dress. It will affect what you do with your hair and your body. It will affect, fellas, your appearance also. But it starts on the inside when I enter into the cross. So it's at the cross, and then it's in the cross is where I enter into what can bear fruit in my life by way of Jesus Christ. So Philippians chapter 2, let's pick, pick up verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but... Okay, so let me say this to you. It is nothing wrong with knowing you're going to heaven. There's nothing wrong with knowing you're a child of God. But you're not on your way to becoming a God like Latter-day Saints are and those people and Jehovah's Witness. You're not. So he said, who being in the form of God thought I'm not robbery equal with God. He said, I and my father are one, didn't he? Well, I and Jesus Christ are one according to this book. But, verse 7, is the entrance at the cross. And in the cross, and now, Jesus keep me near the cross. Watch. <coughs> but made himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, as a human, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of what? The cross. Are you getting this? Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, right? Free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. See, Jesus, keep me where? Near the cross. This is why we're exhorted to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know when he tells you to put on the shoes of the gospel, have your feet shod with the gospel of preparation of peace, you know what that gospel is? It's the death, burial, and resurrection. It's like this. It's like when you fellows put on your work boots in the morning or tie on your shoes and you're about to go out through the day, you're saying, Lord, I'm strapping myself to my cross. Ready? Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. And he said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and watch and take up his cross. Would you mark it daily? Daily. And follow me. Take up his cross. How often? Daily. And follow me. Why is that so important? Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He said over there in Luke 14, 27, the first was Luke 9, 23. Let this mind, Philippians 2, where we're at, let this mind be in you. So your, your thinking is something you have to maintain. It's a daily exercise. Let this mind be in you. It has to be maintained. And that same passage there, if you're with me in Philippians 2 and verse 12, wherefore, my beloved as ye have always obeyed, 
not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Look at verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Why? The sentence goes on. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And that nation is, uh, is about people, not your little geopolitical nation that you're trying to uphold and save and all that rubbish. What are we to do? The sentence goes on, holding forth the word of life. That I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Verse 17, mark this down, please. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. How would he be offered? By standing near the cross. At the cross, road to Damascus, he met the Lord Jesus Christ and he was knocked to the earth and fell to the earth and bowed his heart and mind to Jesus Christ and his will. In the cross, he finds his separation from the world and the world in him, it's crucified unto him. Near the cross is our sanctification. Now I know you got all kind of stuff. You've read stuff. You've got, that's great. You've heard stuff. Some people want it to be a one-time experience. Boom, I was sanctified after that. Look, do what you want with it. I know this. Just like at the cross, I'm saved. And in the cross, I'm separated. Near the cross is where my sanctification is lived out. It's working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Working it out. Not working it, working it out. Bring it to pass. Uh, a living testimony. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain. Amen. Free to all, the healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. That's not going to happen if you don't stay near the cross. You say, what is near the cross? It's like awareness. It's, it's renewal. It's, it's cross decisions. Death to self decisions. It's, you have devotions, okay? You, you read your Bible. You have prayer. And what it does, it releases the power of Christ within us. And you don't run around knowing it. You just live it. It renews your mind. I would say one of the most neglected things, I, I follow preachers and I follow sermons and stuff. One of the most neglected things of 2022 is the crucified life. Now, now, no, there's the service life. Oh, absolutely. And, and praise the Lord, there's the giving life. And we give, we all give. And there's the attendance life. And there's the faithfulness life. And there's the, you know, find your thing and do it life. But the heart of that, it's supposed to be the crucified life. That is what was taught and preached. During any and all times that God's people prospered, that is what was preached. That was the foundation of it. Why? Because it starts where? At the cross. At the cross where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. Now I'm happy all the day. And then in the cross is where the, that's salvation at the cross. In the cross is where the world and I become separated. And near the cross is where God works out that sanctification. And so that's why Luke 9, it's daily. See, it's, it's you, you taking up your cross means nothing if you haven't been 
to Jesus crossed. If you didn't meet him at the cross, the other two don't matter. Now, let me tell you, uh, in the cross, near the cross, is what's preached to people who are working out their own, working out their salvation, not something they already own, their own salvation. They're trying to work salvation. You start at the cross. You want to get somebody to Christ, take them to the cross. Let them see that Jesus Christ died for me. So why they're going to think that's foolish. Well, they have to until it's time, until they get it. Amen. You cannot take them to the open tomb. It is not the life of Jesus Christ alone that saves you. You've got to meet him at the cross. You say, well, doesn't his life come into us? It does. And you know, a lot of people have been at the cross and they do their devotions and this is great. And we all do. And they stay near the cross, but they haven't entered into the cross. They're not separated from the world. Their worship, their music, their loves, their attitudes, their practices. I recently attended a funeral, large turnout, hundreds upon hundreds. Man in his 40s. And some of the stuff, you know, had things about God in it. But they closed the service. After they had a fellow, two guys get up and say some things about Jesus Christ or about God. <clears throat> and after they played a song, you know, about heaven, I can only imagine. They closed that song out with give heaven some hell. And one of the lines in that damnable heathen song, that worldly song, talks about I was there when just as I am, you raised your hand, blah, blah, blah. And there is a Christianity out there today that wants to stand upon eternal security. And eternal security is an issue today. It's, it's probably the issue. But the reason it's an issue is also because people think they're going to get that ticket stamped and then they're going to keep living the life they were living up to the time they raised their hand and got their ticket stamped. You can't find that if you look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because at the cross, I get my salvation. But in the cross, I am separated from the world. And the world from me. And near the cross is where I maintain that. Where I come back to it on a daily basis. Where I get my renewal and my awareness. Where my devotions have an effect upon my daily life, our daily life. So you see, that blasphemy of talking about giving heaven some hell and find your crew when you get there. Your crew ain't there. Nobody's crew is there. I mean, let's take these professional athletes. That, <clears throat> let's just take some that are living moral lives nowadays and you know, upstanding lives and they've got charities and all that going. Do you really think that if they're really saved and they're going to heaven, they're going to get there and look for their group for athletes? There ain't going to be no athletes in heaven. I didn't say there wouldn't be any people who were athletes in heaven. I said there ain't going to be no athletes in heaven. They're saved people in heaven. And that's all we identify as. We're not going to identify as Christian athletes and Christian businessmen and Christian this and Christian that. And there ain't going to be no hell raisers in heaven. We got saved. Get out of that. Because at the cross, we get saved. But in the cross, we get separated. And near the cross, we live out our sanctification. Father, I pray you take these simple thoughts. I know they have inspired my heart through the years and they still do. And I pray you do something with it in Jesus Christ's name.
Amen. God bless you.